This is a Rooster Teeth production. You, Jeff, Jeff, that's, this might be the least flattering. We're not going to share this. I'm not recording this video. That literally might be like the least flattering I've ever seen you. That yeah. is rough, You look man. like Tommy Lee Jones has Two-Face. You, oh, thank you. <laughs> that's how I feel. Wow. All right. Um, okay, this is episode Do, do we need a clap or anything? Uh, no, 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 because no, we're not showing this video to anyone. Yeah, exactly. No, well, master track and the re- remote recording. No, we got Craig is okay. already okay, getting okay. this stuff, so we're already good. Um, so this is episode eight. Okay. So we're having to do this episode remotely because I uh, a couple days ago I ran into someone who turns out they were positive for COVID. I don't feel any symptoms and I'm still testing negative, but out of an abundance of caution, I don't want to get my friends sick and I don't want to get Jeff or Eric sick either. So uh, we thought, (laughs) let's go ahead and uh, record this episode remotely just to be safe and make sure that, you know, uh, we're doing all the right things here. Like I said, still negative, still fine. Thank you for the abundance of caution, coworker Gus. (laughs) I've Uh. been... I, I've, I've been trying to outrun COVID for over two years now. If I finally get it now, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be legitimately pissed off, dude. We just went through that in my family. Uh, my girlfriend avoided it this entire time as well, and then she got it last week, and so mm. I just just came out of quarantine. Uh, also, didn't someone get someone is but, going you know. to be the last person in the world to get COVID. Yeah, well, I mean, amongst the current crop of people that are alive. Yes. Yeah, because we keep adding bodies on the pile. Uh, yeah. As, yeah. <laughs> so someone will be the last person alive to get COVID who was alive when the pandemic started and there like went through there the entire thing. And I'm in the running. I don't want to say that it's going to be me, but I'm all I'm saying is I'm putting genuine effort. I'm putting the work. Like it was like, I'm training for the Olympics here. <laughs> so I didn't finish a story last time we talked. Uh, okay. And I thought about it after we, after we wrapped up, I was like, Oh man, I meant to go back and, and give a little more uh, detail on something. So I want, before we even get into anything else, I want to circle back and, and close the loop on that. We talked about how like the, using the internet, our first experiences with the internet and, um, you know, how I hated the web and I thought it was stupid. Yeah. And I, uh, I retreated back to the Vax lab, which is like a mainframe system. I used to email a lot of people back then just because like it was, a, it was a weird thing to me that you could reach out to, to people who did stuff, kind of like how people email us or email, you know, contact you like want to know about Red versus Blue. And like you could reach out to people who make stuff that you enjoy. So I would send, like I was you know, a bored 15 year old. And I would email anybody I could think of. And uh, of course the internet was still new. Not a lot of people had email addresses yet. And in the, I remember in the Vax lab, if you wanted to email someone at the university, you could just type their email address, but you had to specify what server they were checking their email on. Are you serious? Yeah. So it's like, if you were emailing me at the Vax lab, you would email my email address at vaxlabserver.swt.edu because it was Southwest Texas. Like you couldn't just do at SWT. It was like specific to the VaxLab. Anyway, whenever I wanted to email someone who wasn't at the university, you would have to type like IN percent sign quotes and then their email address in quotes to specify to the server that it was an internet email address and that it was leaving the local network and going out to the internet at large. One of the first people I emailed was uh, was Bungie because <laughs> I, uh, I had found a bug in Marathon 2 and I wasn't sure if it was me who was messing something up or if it was the game that was messed up. So I emailed like a customer support contact email address at Bungie. And uh, I remember I got a reply uh, from a dude named Matt. And uh, it was like explaining that it was actually a bug in the game that I had found. It wasn't me. And like suggested some workarounds and stuff. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. I'm like a 15 year old kid. It's like my favorite video game at the time. I emailed the developer. They emailed me back. It's like one of the first emails. It's, it's the first email I remember specifically because it was like such a big deal to me. 
And then like 25 years later, I was at a meeting here in Austin at a local game developer uh, called Certain Affinity and uh, a meeting with a bunch of people. And then like some dude named Matt walks in and he's like, yeah, you know, I used to work at Bungie. I was like, Matt Sowell? He goes, yeah. I was like, you emailed me 25 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> like I emailed you a bug in Marathon 2 and you replied to it. He's like, oh, he's like, oh yeah, I used to handle the email back then, I guess. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm sure you have no memory of it. I was like, <laughs> but that was such a, like a pivotal moment in my life. Like being able to reach out to someone on the internet and get feedback and a reply. I was like, I was like, you made me interested. Like the reason I really got into making stuff uh, on the internet was because you replied to an email I sent when I was 15. Wow. That's really, really wild. Yeah. It's like out of everyone in the world, like I just so happened to walk into a meeting and uh, and he was there. Was he uh, was he completely creeped out by you in that moment? <laughs> Listen, that's regardless <laughs> of uh, of any story I tell. If you walk into a room with me, that's, uh, that's the experience you're going to have. That's like, uh, it's so funny how that stuff happens. Like we, uh, we have an, uh, an employee at Rooster Teeth named Steffi, who is like the social media manager of Achievement Hunter. And she's worked with us for years and I've known her for years. And we were having a conversation and she referenced meeting me at an event before we worked together. And I was like, oh, did we meet? And then she showed me a series of photos of all the times we had met at like the Alamo Draft House showings <laughs> or RTXs. I had met her like five times and I had no memory of it. As, you know, she was a kid uh, at that point. And now here she's been working for us for like five years. And it's like, it's so weird how, how small the world can be. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, we met, you and I met Adam Ellis at PAX East. He showed up to a booth one yeah. time years ago with hot sauce and like, he's like, hey, I'm going to make my friend eat hot sauce. And yeah. like he, he, re he recorded it. I was like, oh, yeah, I totally remember that. Adam Ellis is a guy who worked at who worked at Rooster Teeth for a long time, uh, still in the area. Uh, I saw him not too long ago. Uh, really great dude. But yeah, we met him. He had uh, like like, I don't know, like million Scoville hot sauce. And I tried it on a on a toothpick on a dare. I think it was probably filmed, actually. And then yeah. I remember it standing out because hey, it was super, super hot. And he's a distinctive dude because he's like 6'3 and has a giant beard. And you see him once and you'll never forget him. But and uh, he's taller than 6'3. He's big. He might be, yeah. He, uh, he just like stands out. He's like a mountain of a man. So I always remembered that instance, A, because the hot sauce was super hot. And then because he's, you know, you, you, kind of physically intimidating. And then uh, and he was cool. And then uh, and then I was really into hot sauce at the time. So I was like really mm. appreciative that someone would share in that love with me. And then I go to a Best Buy in uh, uh, South Park Meadows to south. pick up something yeah. for work one day. And he checked me out and I'm like, but you but you were in Boston. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, moved, I moved down here. And then like a month later, he worked for us. Yeah, I think I filmed that video of you tasting. I think I still have that video on my phone of you like 12 years ago eating hot sauce in Boston. <laughs> That was the year that I almost that we got in trouble for the beer, right? On stage. Oh, that was that year, wasn't it? How did that go down? So we were doing a panel, a red versus blue panel at PAX East in Boston. And uh, you know, at the end of the panel, we showed some videos and you know, typical panel stuff that we would do. And uh someone at the end we were doing QA and someone came up to the mic and they're like, Hey, I got a, you know, a 12 pack of beer I just want to give you guys. So like, oh yeah, cool. So like he walked up to the stage and you know handed it to us. I think I took it. He handed Ooh. it to one of us. I think it was to me. Uh, and I took it and I put it on our, you know, our table where we're doing the panel and I opened it up and I think I drank a beer. You probably drank a beer, Jeff. And uh, panel wrapped up. We went back to our booth. And by actually by the time, I think we had to split up. Some of us were taking a break to go eat and I had to get back to the booth. So like, mm. oh wait, no, uh, yeah, I had to get back to the booth. You took the beer, but I think like for some reason you were going to eat or something, you couldn't take it. Then you ended up like tossing it. You threw it away. I had to go back to the booth without the beer. I show up at the booth and there's like 
a police officer, but not like in a police uniform, like a like a button up shirt and you know like the like a the badge on his belt and a gun and stuff. Yeah, and uh, he's like, "Hey, uh, I need I need to talk to you." It's like, "Oh, okay." He's like, uh, "I heard uh, you were doing a panel uh, up in the room and you were giving beer out to minors in the audience." And I was like, "Nope, was definitely not doing that." He's like, "Yeah, we had people report that you were, you were giving beer to minors. Uh, that's a criminal offense." Like, nope. That definitely did not happen. I was, I was like, someone gave me a 12-pack of beer and I drank it, which I, I can do. He's like, okay, you, you better not be giving out beer to anybody. I was like, I didn't give beer to anybody. I don't know what the fuck you're, you're hassling me for. Uh, that, yeah, that was it. It's like he was really giving me a hard time, like giving me the the like the scare tactic, like he was going to arrest me for giving beer to Myers. Like I'd never done that. So did it, was it because we threw it in the trash and somebody dug it out or something? Or I don't know. At that point, I mean, that's the trash. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't give it to anybody. <laughs> Someone's going through the trash. They're going to find whatever the fuck they want in there. Were, were we next to each other, like booth neighbors? Yeah. At the, yeah. I, I, rem, I remember this vaguely because I remember it being the weirdest thing, like, because everyone just brought you guys alcohol. Like, that was like a thing. Yeah. Like, at conventions, everyone just brought you, like, handles of stuff. Yeah. And, like, six packs or whatever. And then this happened, and it was like... What like what the f- like what is happening yeah. right now? It was really bizarre, super what? bizarre. I always assumed that everybody brought people booze. What did they? Yeah. bring? What did kids bring? Mega sixty four. Uh, we had a couple of people who would bring like baked goods, but these are like people that we know. Like these sure, were like sure. fans that were like friends and not just like random people. Like hey, I spiked this cookie. You're fucked. Uh, <laughs> like uh, a lot of that stuff. A lot of like candy. I mean, look at, we're little garbage gremlin people. Like, it was like a lot of candy and like a lot of like chips, you know, snacks and drinks and like whack, like wacky drinks and snacks. Like that was kind of like the thing. Mm. Um, one time somebody bought us a pizza and we were like really like, for some reason that really like weirded us out. Cause it was just like, he brought like, here's a pizza. And we were like, there's no way we're, we we're so hungry, but there's no way we're eating this pizza. <laughs> huh? Well, you you learn something new every day. Yeah. We, we had. We had cookies for a while too, baked goods. I, I, I remember that. That's one of the things that I, like, I look back fondly on. It was a, a ton of fucking work and I hated it and I was miserable at the time. But going to all of those events and meeting all of those people, and especially now after having been, you know, everything being shut down for the past two years and kind of not being able to do stuff like that, it's weird to look back so nostalgically on it when it's a lot of work, you know, showing up early, mm-hmm. working the entire day, leaving late, packing everything up, setting everything up, tearing everything down shipping it there's like so much stress that goes into that i think as an attendee at an event you know you 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 know there's a lot of work that goes into it but i don't think you realize the scope of the amount of work that goes into setting that stuff up and doing all of that and what long days they are and that's just running a booth and doing the work right like on top of that is another layer uh of which is the, the performative aspect of it like especially you and i together anytime somebody came up to a rooster teeth booth and wanted to buy a red versus blue dv or a t-shirt or whatever you and i would try to give them a show we would try to get, yeah. entertain them and try to give them uh, a, a good and positive experience so that they left loving rooster teeth and you do that a couple hundred times a day for 10 hours and that's a that's a special kind of uh like mental and emotional tired at the end of it too yeah and i think the reason we do that is we realized that we realized very quickly early on that no matter how tired you are and how long the day has been, if someone comes up to you to see you, it's their one interaction. No matter how many people you've met in that day, no matter how many 
dozens or hundreds of people you've seen, you may be tired, but to them, it's the one interaction they're going to have. And if you're low energy or if you're a dick or you're an asshole, that's the impression they're going to leave with. They don't, there's no like, oh, that person has been in that booth for six hours and they have needed to pee for the last four and they haven't had a chance to. Yeah, and it's probably the only time they're ever going to meet you in their entire life. So this yeah. is the only chance you have to leave a memory uh, yeah. a, a positive impression on them, you know? I remember one time, one year, we were doing San Diego Comic-Con, and I don't know why we had this brilliant idea. We only sent two people to San Diego Comic-Con. It was me and Jason. Okay. And <laughs> we were in the booth alone, so we had to coordinate bathroom breaks and food breaks because it's like, if one, we both couldn't leave. Mm -hmm. One of us had to be in the booth at all times, and that was... And San Diego Comic Con's already a long event. Like if you count preview night, that's what, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, five Saturday, days. Sunday. Yeah, that's five days of event where you're just like, <laughs> God, I mean, that was, I remember being so miserable and tired because there was no break. It was just nonstop work. It was, it was a joy to be able to get five <laughs> minutes off to run to the bathroom to go pee. Mm -hmm. And then you're done and you're exhausted and you just want to go eat dinner. And the only place that'll seat you is Dick's Last Resort. Yep. <laughs> And then you yep. got to yeah. hear some you got to hear some lame comedians make Batman jokes all night while they insult you. But it's OK because you get plenty of rest after the two or three parties you go to a <laughs> night to go network and have like, oh, it's like I'm having a good time. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're in hell. I remember one of those years at San Diego Comic-Con, Jeff, you and I were it was like our we had been working in the booth and it was our lunch break. And we were like, all right, we got to go get something to eat. Like we're sick of the food, at the convention center. Let's walk across the street. And mind you, there's like 100,000 people there. So everyone's <laughs> walking across the street to go eat. And we're like, where the fuck are we going to eat that we'll be able to get some some food quickly? And we're walking and there's like that right across the street. There's like a train track and right across that's like where all the food is. And there was like a Nobu right there. And uh, we're, we walk out past the Nobu. And we look in through the window and it's like totally empty. Mm -hmm. And all of the waiters are just standing at the window looking at the throngs of people walking by. Because when you're at the event, like no one's going to go spend 300 bucks on sushi. And it was like, oh, that's really weird to think that there's 100,000 people here and nobody's going into this restaurant right there. You could eat very quickly if you if you want to spend a ton of money. And that's how we ate for the for every Comic-Con after that, pretty much. <laughs> we found that steakhouse. There was, yeah. What was the deal? I remember we would go to that steakhouse every year uh, religiously because the first time we went, there was some sort of an issue with some prostitutes or something at the bar. Do you remember? And it was, it. I can't quite remember, but it was really funny and we yeah. were transfixed. I think they were like... Yeah, they were a little tipsy at the bar and i think they got rolled out by uh the steakhouse uh while, yeah. while we were sitting in there yeah i don't remember very much i do remember that but i don't remember very much about it i wish we had started this podcast 10 years ago yeah no kidding before we forgot all this shit <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much that happens man we have been forgetting a bunch like at the end of the last episode you know, we told Eric a bunch of things. They're like, oh, we forgot to talk about that we meant to talk about this even me like i was like oh i stopped my story halfway through talking about it in the last episode, but luckily Eric's been keeping notes about stuff that we want to we want to circle back to. When I think about Comic Con, I think about you and I driving around in a rented Lincoln Navigator, listening to hip hop. Yeah, what? That's, <laughs> that's Comic Con to me. The needs at Comic Con are weird. Like we needed a big vehicle to like haul shit around, and because it's Comic Con and there's a ton of people, before this is before Uber, right? Like there's a ton of people coming into town. All the rental cars are gone. So it's like if you need a big vehicle, the only vehicle you get is like 
an Escalade or a Lincoln Navigator or something. So it's like, in, inevitably, it's like, that's the vehicle we need because we need to move a bunch of shit around. So that's what we end up renting. We just end up driving around San Diego, blasting hip hop after hours, driving around in a Lincoln Navigator or a Cadillac Escalator, whatever it was that we had. Uh, I, I remember because I, I, I looked at, I was like, I'm buying a Lincoln Navigator after this. It, and I realized very quickly I couldn't afford one. But uh, it was 100%. I, we got an Escalade one year, but we it was, uh, I think we did a Navigator three years and an Escalade one year. Yeah. Uh, it's wow. just weird when you get that many people into a town for an event, how everything starts to break at the seams. Chances are, uh, you know, someone who smokes, I feel like we all have a friend who has been uh, known to smoke in the past. And, you know, it, it's good to have all kinds of friends. But sometimes when someone uh, smokes, if you hang out with them, you get you get a little bit of that smoke smell on yourself and you start wondering, hmm, how can I what can I do to to, to stop this from happening? Well, Maybe you should encourage uh, your friends to check out Fume. Fume is the natural inhaler designed for a better, safer, natural way to quit cigarettes. It's no smoke, no vape, no nicotine replacement for the hand-to-mouth habit of smoking. Fume handcrafts wooden inhalers and uses cores infused with plant oils uh, studied to curb cravings. They have flavors like peppermint and conquer with minty notes to simulate menthol cigarettes. And other flavors like Cozy Chai and Lemonberry Bliss for a sweeter experience. And all of their flavors are 100% natural, no harmful chemicals, no artificial flavors, absolutely no nicotine. Uh, quitting stuff, but Fume can help. They've got thousands of five-star reviews from smokers who have tried everything else, and this has worked for them. So whether you're a smoker, an ex-smoker who st- still struggles with cravings, or you know someone who's smoking and you want to try to get them to stop, Fume can be the perfect tool for you. Head over to breathefume.com slash anima. Use promo code anima to save 10% off your entire order. That's 10% off your entire order when you head to B-R-E-A-T-H-E-F-U-M dot com slash anima. You know how to spell that, A-N-M-A. Uh, and use code anima. Level up your 4th of July weekend. Come see the podcast gamers and animators you love in person and discover new favorites at RTX Austin. RTX Austin takes the best in gaming, podcasting, and animation, brings it all together in Austin, Texas for one unforgettable weekend. Interact with your favorite content creators, step into the exhibit hall for numerous interactive activities, or meet the characters you love brought to life by our amazing cosplayers. There's so much to do at RTX Austin this year. Think you can take on other gamers, level up your skills at our 5v5 gaming pavilion, or compete in tournaments that will be happening all weekend long. Ever attend a world premiere? Come to RTX Austin, see never-before-seen content, and hear the latest news from brands like HBO Max and Adult Swim. RTX Austin has everything from panels to gaming tournaments to cosplay contests and more. You'll see not only your favorite Rooster Teeth talent, but also special guests from across the industry. Head over to rtxevent.com, grab your badge for RTX Austin. Get ready for a weekend filled with the best of podcasting, gaming, and animation. Uh, The cast of Animal will be there. That's rtxevent.com. Get your badge today. See you in Austin, July 1st to 3rd. I remember we went to... We went the one of the first comic. We started going to Comic Con in two thousand four. Yeah, and I think it was the last year that they before that they took, or that was the first year they took up the entire convention center, if I remember right. And that's the only reason we were able to get in in 04 was because we had been waitlisted for a booth. Then yeah. they expanded to the entire convention center floor, so they had a little more space, so we were able to get a booth because of it. That was when you in that year you had to walk into the convention center. They walk all the way to the back on the left, and that's where our booth was before they moved us over uh, next to Mega sixty four, where we ended up for many years. And uh, that year we went, I remember you and I had a little bit of time and it was actually, so this wasn't 04. The, I think you and I were there in 05 and YouTube was a brand new thing. And they, remember they had like a mixer. They were like, hey, YouTube creators, you can come to the, I think it was the Marriott bar. Like it was whatever that hotel was right next to the convention center. Okay. And you and I, Jeff, we were like, all right, I mean, we make videos. Like we're not really a big YouTube channel or anything. Let's, let's go see, you know, what this is all about. 
Do you remember this? And we walked over to that. I think uh, so. I'm, I'm wondering if it's, I'm, I'm, I want to hear it so I can hear if it's what I think it is. Yeah. And uh, it was weird because like YouTube was such a small thing then that there was no like tickets or <laughs> checking in or anything. It was just yeah. like every YouTube channel creator was at the bar at the Marriott. And we were just sitting there like, it's weird that we recognize all of these people and like no one's bothering them. It would be like if every top YouTube creator was sitting at a bar at San Diego Comic-Con and no one was bothering them. I remember you and I sitting at the bar and being amazed that the hot for words lady was there and nobody oh, was yeah. talking to her. And she was so famous to me. Like in my head, like, cause it was like, it was one of the first big breakout YouTube things. And, yeah, uh, I and I'm just like, that. why is nobody talking to that lady? She's, she's, <laughs> she's on the internet. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, now it's a totally different world. Like that would, I can't imagine that ever going down. Uh, or anyone even going to that. And I, I think the biggest YouTube channel at the time was like a million subscribers, right? Like it was still mm -hmm. relatively small potatoes. It wasn't like a, the huge behemoth that it is now. I remember at that point, Oprah had 80,000 subscribers and we had like 60 and I was just gunning for Oprah. All <laughs> yeah, I wanted to do yeah. was beat Oprah. It was a big deal to me. Uh, <laughs> I wonder out of, I wonder who was, if we could, I wish we could get a snapshot and see who was at that event as a YouTube creator and where those people all are now. I wonder if mm -hmm. any of them are still create outside of our dumbasses. I wonder if any of them are still creating content online. Yeah. God, I mean, that was over 15 years ago now. Yeah. I, I want to say that was 05. I'm pretty sure it was 05, but it would, I, I, I don't know if you remember that first year we went in 04, it was like so last minute that by the time we tried to book a hotel, there were no hotels left. Uh, I think, you know, Comic-Con is typically in July. San Diego Comic-Con is typically in July. And I think we got approved in June. Mm -hmm. So we had to like organize getting all our stuff there. And we had to get a hotel room. And we, I don't remember what the name of the hotel we stayed at was, but it was like 20 miles away from the convention center. And we had to drive for like an hour to get there. Do you remember oh, that? It was like, yeah. it was like, it was like on a ranch or something. It was like in the middle of fucking nowhere. And it's like, Everyone had to get in the car at the start of the day, regardless of whether you were working or not, because we had one car. Everyone had to get in it, drive down the convention center. You would stay there all day, do everything, and then everyone would drive back up together uh, at the end of the night. Because, again, no Uber or any way to get around. It was like you're just fucking stuck there all day. Speaking of being stuck at San Diego Comic-Con all day, do you remember that kid that we ended up kind of adopting? I can't remember his yeah. name now. Eric, you'll love this. It was, I, I think our, it might have been that year. It was early, early on in Comic-Con, year one or two. Uh, some kid showed up early in the day. He was an RVB fan. And uh, by kid, I mean like 10. Mm -hmm. 10 oh, is wow. what I would have guessed. And we were cool to him. We're like, hey, what's up, buddy? He didn't have any money or anything, but we like signed some stuff for him, gave him some stickers or something. And then he just kind of, uh, sometimes people will like, uh, they'll come up and they'll have an interaction with you and then they'll just kind of back off and just watch the booth for a while, you know? And uh, he kind of did that thing and he was kind of in the periphery and then we would just keep interacting with him a little bit here and there uh, and then realize that he had been around for like an hour and we motioned over and we're like, are, where are your parents? Like, do you have anywhere to be? Are you going to check anything else out? And he was like, nah, my dad just dropped me off this morning. He's not picking me up till six tonight. I got nothing else to do. So I'm just going to stand here all day. And that's what he did. Yeah. He did. Can you imagine just dropping a kid off? I mean, I guess 2004 was a different time, but it doesn't feel that well, different not, to me. Not that different. <laughs> not yeah, to the point it doesn't you, feel that I different think, to me. Where you yeah. just like throw your kid at a convention center that has 120,000 people in it and say, I'll be back in like nine hours. <laughs>
I, I do often wonder like what the rest of that story was like, yeah, where is that kid now? You know, who, who was this, these parents that just left him there for nine hours? Well, I do remember his dad eventually came and got him. Yeah. And I think we met his dad, but yeah, it was wild, dude. <laughs> I can't like I can't I can't imagine doing that with my 17 year old daughter. (laughs) (laughs) We used to uh, go to because Comic-Con's a San Diego thing. So it was always local. But in like probably like pre 2003, because that's like when it really started getting big. We used to just go down there when we were like teenagers and say that we were like 12 and get like the child's pass. And they'd be like, (laughs) you're not. No. Can, let me see some ID. And you go, well, I don't have any ID. I'm 12. And they go, fine. You're fine. And then Story sell you a pass. <laughs> yeah. Sell you a pass for like 20 bucks. You could get like a three day pass for like 35 or a four day pass for like 35 bucks. It wow. was super cheap to go to Comic-Con back then. So when you're talking about like dropping a kid off in like 04, that's right at like that crest of this is becoming a monolith mm. of a convention where his dad is probably from like Claremont and just went, yeah, it's fucking Comic-Con. Just drop the kid off. Who cares? No one's there. And then that's like the, where you went, I shouldn't have done that. I should not have wow. done that. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that, that gives a lot more context yeah, it to does. it. It absolutely does. Thank you. Also, you should not drop a 10-year-old off at a convention either way. It doesn't matter if there's only 10,000 people. That's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. We met a lot of people at San Diego Comic-Con over the years. I, I struggled to remember the first time we met Mega 64, but that must have been out of PAX, if I had to guess. Uh, I can't imagine yeah. it was San Diego Comic-Con, because I think I feel like we knew each other by the time that uh, we moved our booths next to them. Yeah, I remember requesting our booths be next to each other at Comic-Con, and I, I, so we must have met at PAX. It had to be PAX, like PAX, what do they call it? Is it PAX Prime? I don't know what they call regular PAX now. Pa- I think they call um, it PAX West now. Yeah. Okay, it had to be that, right? I, like, it had to be just a regular packs and they put us next to each other because they went, well, let's, here's 10 dipshits, just two booths, whatever. Yeah. And from there, it was like, man, off to the races. It was just how much can we be near each other all the time? Yeah. Constantly. I remember, I don't know if you guys will remember this, going to, it was one packs going to like a, kind of like a dive bar, a tiki bar that was uh, in, God, it was in Seattle, just kind of like off the beaten path and just drinking. Having so much, Bernie yeah. was there, yeah. having so much to drink. And there was a bathroom with like no door. And there was just a guy, like, I remember taking a piss and a guy going, hey man, how you doing? And it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy right now. This is bad. But like getting like absolutely hammered with you guys at that place. And I remember going like, oh, I think I really like these guys. <laughs> I, I got sick just listening to you tell that story. Like, I feel I feel bad now. I remember that place. It was, if I remember right, there was an arcade next door. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. A, a it's on thing or something. Yeah. It's on Second Street. I don't remember yeah. what it's called, but it's on Second Street in that little yeah. bar area, like their little like Sixth Street area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I remember that night. I remember somebody passing out on the table. I can't remember who it was, but I also remember earlier in that night being so mad at Gus because we're sitting at the bar. I wonder if you remember this, Gus. We're, it was just you and I were there. It was early, and we're sitting there at the bar. And Gus goes, he kind of like zones out for a second. And I'm like fucking around on my, probably my flip phone or whatever, you know, <laughs> probably on my, uh, what were those phones we used to have, Gus? Sidekick? Sidekick. Probably on my sidekick, nice. you know, typing very slowly. And I, but I, I registered him like kind of checking out. And then he comes back in and he goes, oh my God, that lady over there. And I go, yeah, I'm just on my, da- on my sidekick. And he goes, she just showed her boobs to the whole bar. And I go, what? Really? And he goes, yeah. 
for a long time too. And I'm like, why are you telling me after, man? Why are you telling me now? And he's like, oh, I, I guess was, I didn't I think was about preoccupied. It. I, it was like, I didn't think about it. And I'm like, for how long? And he was like, oh, it was like six or seven seconds. And I'm like, yeah, but, but, but and for, to everybody, he was like, yeah, she was like flashing the whole bar. And I'm like, and you couldn't tell me until after? And then, and then, and then, and then it happened again, like 20 minutes later and he didn't tell me. What? I was distracted. I was preoccupied. It happened twice? Twice. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, you, you got the internet. You, you were on your sidekick. You could look up I, true. whatever I have you the want internet. on that thing. I have the internet. It was just like, I was just so surprised that uh, you you just froze in that moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was like, some, it's like something you don't expect, I guess, you know, especially, God, way back then. Jesus. Um, <laughs> we, we There was like a couple of years we would go down to that area, that part of Seattle, into those bars for various reasons, and then we just stopped. I think we got old and tired. Yeah. <laughs> we just stopped going over to that. I, uh, it was like, it's a bit of a walk to get over there. I went over there uh, actually during, <clears throat> I was just in Seattle in, I don't know, April maybe for the AH Live tour. And I yeah. walked over there with Emily to that corner where those bars were. And I think they're all still there. And it just looks sketchy to me now. Like, I just, it's just mm. like, why, why was I so excited to hang out over these places? But I feel that way at almost every bar now that I look at that I would have yeah. loved at 25. I'm like, what the fuck was wrong with me? It just looks like tetanus. <laughs> years years ago, um, back in, again, same, same time period, I guess, around 2005, we were um, making Red versus Blue. And I remember, you know, we were still, got really, really small. There were only a couple of us. I think, at, yeah, at this time, we were still in... Bernie's spare bedroom making Red versus Blue. We hadn't even moved to the apartment in Beauty yet. And I want to say it was around episode 50 or so. Uh, it was close to the end of season three. We were just like, I, I don't know about everyone else. I wanted to murder you guys. I was just so done with it all. Uh, we were all just really stressed out. We had a couple of like long episodes we needed to make. And we were just spending days in that room not leaving. Yeah. Like, I think it's, it's it, people may buy not realize the the amount and the scope of work and overwork like it was it was not healthy the amount of work we were putting into it it was like we bought a couch for that spare bedroom so that one person could sleep while everyone else was working mm -hmm. uh, and we would take turns sleeping on the couch because it's like oh we're going to be in here for the next nine days with no breaks working to get you know this stuff done and I remember I was like I was so over it I was so fed up I wanted to murder all you guys uh, during one of my sleep breaks on the couch I like pulled out my laptop. And I was like, I'm going to book a fucking trip. I'm leaving. I got I to gotta, I gotta get away from these assholes. And uh, I was like, I got to go somewhere that my phone doesn't work. Remember, again, pre-iPhone. Uh, and where I'll, it'll be impossible to reach me. And I think I had just seen like Lost in Translation. I was like, I'm going to go to Japan. Uh, so like I booked myself a trip alone to Tokyo for like a week. I put it, I, I booked it for like a week or two out when we were going to be done with all of this stuff. And I was like, this will be my reward. We're going to be done with this and I'm going to leave and I'm not going to get to talk to these fucking assholes for a week. And uh, I went to uh, to Tokyo by myself. It was the first time I'd ever been to Japan. And uh, I, like I said, phones didn't work globally back yeah. then. If you had a phone from the United States, your phone did dick in uh, Japan. And who cares? Even if it did, it's not like you had smartphones. It was like a dumb, I think I had a Motorola Razor at the time yeah. and maybe the sidekick. So I went to Japan and I had downloaded a, a series of images that someone had scanned the Tokyo subway system into a series of images and I put them on my iPod and I could scroll through the subway map of Tokyo using the scroll wheel on my iPod so I could see like where I was going. That way I had like, because again, there was no internet, like I had like a little offline map I could scroll through on my iPod so I knew where I was going on the subway. And I went out there and uh, 
I don't know if you, uh, we we have a, like a mutual friend who's never done anything with rooster teeth. Uh, Stephen, I don't know if you remember him. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff, yeah, yeah, used to uh, play D and D with him. And uh, Stephen found out I was going to to Tokyo, and he was like, "Oh, I've got a a friend of mine who who's lived in Tokyo for like ten years. He teaches English out there. He's like a, he's like a a linguist. You know, he speaks English, he speaks Japanese, he speaks Russian. Like you name the language, he probably speaks it." Uh, he's like, you should, you should meet up with him while you're out there. I was like, yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll do that. So like uh, one night I met up with this dude. We go to uh, like a little pub in uh, Roppongi. And we're just like, you know, eating some food, drinking. Then we just start like walking down the street. We're like doing like a little bar crawl through Roppongi. And we're, we're walking down the street. And uh, there's these two uh, Russian women walking behind us on the street. Roppongi is like a big touristy area. You know, a lot of foreigners. Um, it would be like 6th Street in Austin. And uh, we're walking down the street in Rapungi, and there's these two Russian women behind us, you know, speaking to each other. And uh, I'm talking to this dude, and he goes, hold on one second. And we stop in the street. He turns around and in Russian starts, like, accosting these women. And they both, like, turn white and pale. And they just, like, immediately cross the street, like, away from us as quickly as they can. And I was like, what's that about? He goes, oh, they're talking shit about us. They think I don't, I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, oh, that's really cool. This guy obviously really knows his languages. And we're walking down the street some more, and uh, we stop at this one building. And he's like, he looks at me, goes, "You ever been to a conversation club?" And I go, "No." I was like, "I have no idea what the fuck that even is." He goes, "Come on, let's go here." And we walk up to this uh, to this elevator, and you know how the the buildings in Japan are? It's like multiple businesses yeah. uh, in like a, a tall building, and uh, it's nighttime. It's probably like eleven p.m. midnight, and uh, we walk up to this elevator, and there's like this really big dude standing at the elevator, like blocking you from going to it. Like the, the, the guy that I'm there with and the dude at the elevator start talking for a bit. Then like the big dude stands aside, the, you know, hits the button to call the elevator. It opens up. Then he reaches into, we walk into the elevator. The big dude reaches into the elevator, pushes like six on the elevator uh, and the doors close and we go up and I'm like, where are we going? <laughs> and he's like, I told you we're going to a conversation club. We get up to the sixth floor and the doors open and it's like the doors open to like a nightclub slash strip club uh it's my first impression that i look at and i'm like are we going to a strip club he goes no 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 it's, it's not like that at all we walk in and like this hostess meets us and you know she's speaking japanese and the dude i'm with is speaking japanese back to her they're having this like prolonged conversation and then he turns and goes oh you're in luck there's a there's someone here who speaks english tonight and the hostess like takes us to this little booth it's like a it's like a, a booth with like curved couch with like it's very cushy uh we go in and we sit down and then these two uh, Japanese women come up. One, you know, sits on uh, the side of the other guy, and then one comes and sits next to me. And uh, the dude like leans over to me. He's like, "You just sit here and talk, and uh, th- you buy them drinks, and they'll talk to you, and you can just hang out here." I was like, "Okay." And that's why I guess he was said, "Oh, that I was in luck that someone spoke English because like the woman who's next to me was like the only one in the club who could speak English." So like that dude and the other woman are having like this really long conversation in Japanese, and I'm like talking to this woman about whatever, just like making small chit chat. And every now and then she'd be like, I'm thirsty. Can you buy me a drink? Like, okay. (laughs) And like the waitress comes over and you buy an expensive drink. And uh, she sits there and just talks to you. We were there for like 45 minutes, an hour. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's leave. That's enough. (laughs) It was the most bizarre experience I've ever, one of the most bizarre experiences I've ever had in my life. So... It, was she like an expert at conversation? Like, was it particularly interesting? <laughs> Did she have like a range of topics that were fascinating? She was very like when I, I think her her job is to get you to talk, right? Like, I don't want to uh, talk to engage you in conversation. Who wants to talk? So like, 
<laughs> she found out that I was from Texas. So she was like, oh, you know, it's like, so that's what she drilled into, like Western stuff, horses, sh- sheriffs. I remember she was obsessed with sheriffs. Like, what is a sheriff? What do sheriffs do? Like, she, like I guess this must be a question that she has had for a long time. She was like, explain to me what a sheriff is because it makes no sense. She must have been picturing like Old West sheriff, you know, rounding up a posse, getting on a horse, chasing people down. Sounds like she should have been buying you drinks. <laughs> Is the goal of this place for more than conversation to happen? I think, no, the goal of the place is just for you to buy expensive drinks for the women. Then what's the goal of the place? They just make money. If you buy, you're buying them drinks, it's like all the drinks are overpriced, then- Why would you go to this I'm, is what I'm asking. I'm going to make a- Dude, I don't know. Wildly uneducated guess uh, that I hope isn't offensive in any way. But I, I th- wonder maybe if it's culturally, like maybe it's harder to meet people- or to strike mm. up conversations, and so this is like a safe space to do it. I, I, you know, I, it you, could be. I, I don't know. Uh, I've been to Japan. Uh, everybody was really nice and conversational with me, and I didn't feel like I had to pay them. But I, I don't know. But why have the big bouncer guy? I, dude, I don't. Maybe he was there to like maybe. to deter. Because like I like I said, they said I was lucky that there was an English speaker there that night. Maybe it's to deter non-Japanese speakers from going up and like wasting time if they're going to be able to buy drinks or engage. Like it's not a normal bar. Maybe there's like a barrier to entry to be able to get in. I don't know. I don't like, again, they spoke, they had their conversation. I don't, I wasn't privy to their conversation. This is, this is insane. This is, this is so like, I, this is insane to me. Like this seems so crazy. I'm glad that I did it. And I had that experience because I feel like it's something you probably normally couldn't do. Uh, yeah. it's, despite the fact it's Rapongi, it seems very much like there is a high barrier to entry. And uh, it might not be something that you can easily do. Because like you, got, uh, you guys have been to Japan and you, neither of you have ever done anything like that. You're both looking at me like I'm an alien when I'm describing this. Yeah, no, not at all. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't see anything like that when I was in Japan. Yeah. Did, let me ask you this. Did it work? Did you come home recharged and no longer annoyed yeah. with me and Bernie? <laughs> well, I'm still here. Uh, yeah, we're still well. we're still making content. Uh, it was an interesting exercise because aside from that night meeting that dude, for the most part, I really didn't speak. Right. It's like I don't I can't speak Japanese. Yeah. I was like getting by like on, on very little conversation. So it's like a lot of just walking around and a lot of just like introspection. And it was like I think that might have been my first time out of the country, not counting Mexico, for leisure, not because we're going to work uh, Mm. doing an event somewhere internationally. Because I think that was the only time I traveled internationally before then. And that was at the end of season three, you said? Yeah, that would have been 05. I want to say May or June 05. I remember you hating us a lot in season two. Dude, I hated a lot. Like Again, we we spent so much time together. There was so much work. (laughs) I don't know how... We're still uh, friends, and we're still making content together. <laughs> well, not all of us are still making content together, right? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's no. I to be fair to you, man. I uh, I have I remember how obnoxious I could be, and I remember too that Bernie and I together could be a real pain in the ass. As a Ugh. matter of fact, I remember one time Dan Godwin saying that the reason he didn't want to hang out with us anymore was because Bernie and I didn't know when to stop. <laughs> <laughs> There was one time. Well, I think that's so valid. When we, when we were down there working in the spare bedroom in Buda, just for reference for people who don't live in this area, like to drive down to Buda to the spare bedroom uh, when we were working at Bernie's house, it was like 45 minutes each way to get down there. I remember one time we were recording. We had gone down with the express intent to record 
the season two Red versus Blue DVD commentary. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had gone down there and it went off the rails immediately. Like, you know, it was just like, I could tell. It's like, we're, we're wasting our time here. Yeah, uh, this you is, were this isn't usable that night. And I, I had, that. yeah. And I had like, I had, I was supposed to play D&D with my other group of friends and I had, I had to cancel that because I was going to come here, do this. And I get there, it's like, we're just fucking around. Like, this is all a waste. And like, I just left like halfway through that taping. I was like, I just walked out, got in my car, just drove back to Austin. Like the 45 minutes, just like fuming and mad. And then I was right because the next day we had to get back together and then redo it. (laughs) It was like, it was all unusable. (laughs) It was terrible. We, I think we determined really quickly that it was going to be unusable and we leaned into it. I remember that night. I remember being like, well, this is never coming out. So let's just have fun. Uh, Yeah. Fun. Air quotes. (laughs) It's so funny because ev- everybody got on everybody's nerves, but we all had different thresholds. And I remember, man, when you would hit yours, it was like there was no coming back from it. It was no. like fall. It was like falling off a cliff. And that was like, well, Gus is gone. That's it. For there's no more. We're not getting anything out of Gus for the next for the rest of the night. Oh yeah, I was definitely less patient back then. But you guys, uh, you guys pushed it, man. You guys fucking pushed it all I don't the blame time. You. We were so obnoxious. And everybody and everybody hated everybody, by the way, too. Like Bernie and I could oh, yeah. Bernie and I could barely stand each other for about six months when we were wrapping up season one and it was just the two of us in that room for that little bit. And like yeah. I remember I used to do a thing that I honestly didn't know I did. But it would drive. He would scream at me, which is every time we were we were making an episode. And for if any RVB fans listening, this happened every episode of Red versus Blue you ever watched. If you liked it, uh, this happened. When I was head bobbing, I was mocking all of your lines and all of your performances, and I would just do it to myself without realizing it. And I'd just be like, "Yeah, you know," or I'd be like, "New team killing fucktard," or like whatever the fucking stupid you know Sarge line was, or whatever, and be like. And I just make fun of I, I was I wasn't making fun of the characters. I was specifically making fun of you guys. Uh and uh and I would just do it to myself without even realizing I was doing it and Bernie would be like, stop! Just fucking stop! Okay? It's not it's not doesn't help. It doesn't help. It's just annoying. <laughs> just knock it off. And I'd be like, what? Oh, okay, sorry, man. Oh god. Oh, those were the days. And we had to we had to basically ban Jason from production for a while because he couldn't not we would do God damn, Eric, we would, you know, we're we're making a movie here, right? So we would set up a scene and it could sometimes take 20 or 30 minutes, especially if it's like oh, you got to get a fucking tank in a certain position or on a on top of a base or something stupid. And then you would, you would spend like an hour getting it all ready. And then you would go to record and hit like yell record. And then Jason would throw a grenade in the middle of it and, and go, <laughs> and then everything would, all of our, an hour of work would fly away thanks to physics, video game physics, and we'd have yeah. to set it all back up again. God, I forgot about that. He was the one that I hated the most back then. Yeah. Oh, man. I think you hated Bernie and I. Bernie hated me. I hated Jason. <laughs> <laughs> it was the circle of hate, and it just like it was in perfect equilibrium. And I don't, and I don't think Jason gave a fuck about any of it. <laughs> like or hate. Oh, oh man. man. God, that was, that was a lot of fucking work. I, I do not. I do not miss that level of that amount of work. And I think that, you know, if I'm looking honestly and critically at it, I think we taught ourselves bad habits in doing that. I think it was, it was necessity uh, and we had to because we didn't have the manpower to, you know, otherwise to get stuff done. But I think that tainted our view of work and how much work you needed to do uh, in really fucked up our work-life balance. Yeah, well, I, yeah, for sure. I, 
I, I think part of the problem was, though, I don't know if it's a problem or not, but is I think we were all genuinely like looking back on it now, it's crazy and it was unhealthy for sure. But when I was doing it, I was having a blast. Like I would yeah. be mad. I would be frustrated. I would hit. I remember I was good till about two thirty in the morning and then I would just <laughs> I would just turn into a mopey, whiny, useless piece of shit. And then I would have another three hours to go. And then I just made everybody miserable around me because I was miserable. But like but then the next day I'd get up ready to do it again. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. like it's not like anybody. And it's not like we were being forced by a boss. No, like we were. We weren't even holding each other accountable. We were just wanted to be a part of this thing and to work on it. And I would rather, yeah. you know, I would rather be doing that with you and Bernie than just playing Halo on a Friday night with you and Bernie. You know, it just yeah. felt more purposeful. And yeah, but we did. We, we didn't know when to stop was a problem. For even sure. Years for later. sure. For sure. For sure. I don't No disagreements there. And maybe that was partially generational. Um, yeah. Who knows? I mean, but, we, were, we were just so invested in, in, in you know, getting it off the ground and having it work and be successful. And I think we just didn't know when to, when to let off the gas pedal. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I, I w- we would always describe it as we were on a runaway train, just like fucking hanging on the outside of it. And we had no control. Mm-hmm. We were just trying to stay, stay on the train, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wish we had figured out, honestly, I wish we had figured out work life balance sooner than yeah. we had. Um, but hindsight's 2020, I guess. Did I, did I mention this already? But, you know, I don't know if I did on this on the show or not, but that's kind of like what really fucked us up. Like if you hear us talking about other friends or the D&D group I used to play with, like we don't have any of those friends anymore. <laughs> uh, we were just so invested in making this thing work that if you if we didn't if you weren't making this stuff with us, then we just never saw you anymore. You we stopped having, well, you know, other friends. It- yeah, that wasn't all on us, though. <laughs> Some of that was the other friends as well. But it's true. Like, you and I, you and and uh, to a slightly lesser extent, but you and I and Bernie were a part of a very large, healthy, fun friend group, you know, that we had yeah. going on in our, in our mid-20s. We and used to go bowling. We, well, we used to go bowling. We used to do a lot of stuff. We used to have cookouts. We used to, like, yeah. play basketball. All kinds of stuff. And Red versus Blue became once again such a runaway train that we just allowed a lot of friendships to 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 languish and and i i am really sad about that like i remember yeah. a, a couple of years ago gus you and i i don't even know if this we ever talked about this on a podcast but an old 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 friend one of our best friends a guy named bradley reached out to us who we hadn't realized we hadn't talked to in over a decade and he was like he was like in the main group. Like we would talk to him. We would hang out with him every day. Like if we were going drinking, it yeah. was me and you and Bradley and a few other people. But he was like in that you've group. Told, you've told a story about Bradley in this podcast. Have I? What did I tell? Oh, the oh about playing for uh, 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 Scarface and uh, Ghetto Boys, right? Playing drums for Ghetto Boys? No, no. You, you That was not the story. You told uh, the story you told was uh, when we were talking about how uh, Jason used to be called Poop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That was, it was Bradley's wife's uh, girlfriend's sister yeah his girlfriend's sister said oh that's sad and anyway so we went and got coffee with him like maybe three years ago or four years ago at this point and caught up and it was like it was it really crystallized how much time had passed and how much we lost because that we started reminiscing and thinking about all the other people that we fell out of contact with because we were just weren't we weren't we were out of town 25 weeks a year first off Mm -hmm. you know or 25 weekends a year so it was not like we had a lot of time even in Austin to see people and it, we were so all consumed. It, it, I really I really do lament the really good friendships that we that we 
let fall by the wayside just because of lack of attention because we were too focused yeah. on something else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We had a friend named Ajax uh, that I think about all the time. Oh, yeah. He doesn't live in Austin anymore. No, he moved. He he moved. Yeah. Uh I drive I drive by that we went to his wedding. I drive by that church where he got married uh pretty frequently and I I always think about how long that service was. It was such a long mass. Do you remember how long that was? Dude, the longest night of my life was a Catholic wedding. Oh my god. Have you ever been to a Catholic wedding, Eric? No, never. 7 hours long. What? Oh, what? Christ. The mass and the service yeah, went on forever. Forever. And he was like the least Christy person I'd ever met. <laughs> it was like, it was like, he was one of those people that he walks in the church and you're like, you stand back to just to see if he's going to catch on fire. And you're like, no, okay, I can go in. Uh, uh-huh. We're kind of coming up on time can you believe it you're gonna go wow already and the answer is yes we didn't uh, even cover any of the shit i don't you, we, we talked about from last time i, I wrote I it know. down here i know it's it's written it's written down for the next one i guess what did you um, tell us to talk about that we didn't talk about i forgot it was a bunch of stuff uh, right? do you want me to say no, it on no, no, this okay. podcast we'll just do it next okay. time yeah yeah just do it next time however I think we're uh, taking a break for a couple weeks. Okay. Uh, this is the last episode before we take a little break. We're going to try so I think we'll be off for about two weeks of like regular content, but we'll probably record some little stuff. Me and Jeff have to go to VidCon. Maybe we'll record something there. Maybe something small with Gus. Who knows? I don't know. But like a couple of weeks of small stuff. Just want to let you guys know. Stay subscribed and also tell a friend about this podcast. Remember that friend that you had on the forum forever ago and you go, oh man, they should check this out. Go just tweet at them real quick. Uh, let them know about Anma. I think that's probably a good way to go. Um, it, does you guys want to review your coffee or? Oh, yeah. What uh, what coffee did you have, Gus? I, I, I have a, a coffee maker here at my house. It's like a, a little DeLonghi espresso maker. So I just make myself a Americano here. It's fine. Uh, this morning I used uh, Lavazza espresso roast just because that's all I had. Uh, other times I'll use different ones, but it's totally it's like the, the the standard for coffee. It's not exceptional. It's not bad. It's just there. Six or seven. All right. How about you, Eric? Uh, I made a uh, pour over with the uh, Chiapas from Barrett's Coffee. Uh, that was exceptional. That's kind of my daily driver right now is the Chiapas from Barrett's Coffee. I always go, I have like a vacuum seal thing that like I just go fill it up and then pay the price. And and then I usually get one other whole bean thing that I just kind of play around with. But the Chiapas, I think at Barrett's is one of my favorite coffees in Austin. Okay. I really recommend it. It is very, very excellent. So when I make my own coffee, it's always a 10 out of 10, but that's just for me. <laughs> well, I had a drip coffee today, black coffee, not a nice coffee. And it was, um, uh, we used to have a partnership with a company called King's Coast up in New York oh, yeah, City, yeah, yeah. a roaster. They made an Achievement Hunter coffee, and I had it on like auto buy. So every three weeks, I just get a new bo- uh, new bag of it. And then eventually that partnership ended, and they just rebranded it as a different coffee. So now I have that coffee. And it was a 10. Do you think that's something we should explore for this show? Yes. A coffee? Yeah, I think so. You think we should? Do, are there any roasters out there? Hey, if you listen to the show and you roast coffee, can you just like let me know? Don't don't go to the Anma thing. Just let me know, and then I'll, we'll just be working in the background. I think having a coffee partnership for this show would be awesome. I think There's I a coffee company it. that I do ad reads for, and some of my other podcasts that should be <laughs> paying us for ad reads on this podcast. Yeah, no kidding. What the hell? Also, if if Trade wants to sponsor the show, there that it would be is. Great. That would <laughs> that's the one. Trade. trade. I'm I'm running low on credit, and I need something new. Come on, man. So hit, that's hit the other up. coffee I'll use sometimes. I'm just out of my Trade coffee. That's yeah, why I use yeah. the Lavazza this trade's, morning. Trade's great. Um. Uh, Jeff, any guesses 
Oh, uh, uh, how about a non-moral argument? Oh, wow. Oh, I really like that. That's a no. great guess. Okay. That's a good guess, but no. Oh, thank you. What? That's not that's not the answer. I mm-hmm. saw. Oh, man, I, I got annoyed with you, Gus. I got annoyed with you on Twitter the other day because somebody tweeted A-N-M-A stands for anime and you tweeted, I like it. Yeah, I saw that too. And let me tell you, I don't like it. I don't like it either. (laughs) This is not an anime podcast. (laughs) It's not an anime. This is not it. The thing I like, it's not that necessarily they were pronouncing it as anime, but it's kind of that flexible uh, thinking when it comes to the name that like, it's not necessarily a straight thought that you might have, um, while you're awake. Again, it's dream logic. I'm going to steal Petal. It's floral bouquet. Like, like bouquet, bouquet. It doesn't matter. On uh, on Twitter, they said it stands for animal magnetism. Mm. Oh, that's how I live my life. I like that no, one. Though. Hey, let me. No, I thought that no. was a great guess. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you think people will like this episode less or more because there's no audio texture? Less. They will I think like so it. Too. There are people who are all about the audio. I, I think I I'm am sorry, too. I think I am too. That's my fault. That's my fault. I feel really bad about it. No, that's no, why no, I no. Up right at the top. Uh, no, I, I no, it's it's, fine. It's, it's nobody's fault. We're just being safe and safety, safety yeah. first, right? Like Danger Aaron McGarity says. Uh, <laughs> safety, safety first. Uh, but uh, maybe, maybe Dennis. Is it Dennis that edits this? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Maybe Dennis. Uh, sorry, I'm on so many podcasts now. I get confused. Uh, Maybe Dennis could add in some city sounds in the background. A little bit of Midtown New York. No, no, we're not about that. We're not about artificial uh, audio texture. Artificial it's got to be all natural audio texture. Audio texture. Oh, I don't know. One hundred percent organic. Maybe could yeah. be in the, uh, the in the jungles of Brazil. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I I think that it's very it. People really took to the audio texture thing. Like they yeah. were like really yeah. about it. I think that's so cool. Uh, innovating. We're innovating here. Absolutely. It, what's the fun? Like, I think that as silly as that is, it's what makes this show a lot of fun because we are going to different parts of Austin and hearing the traffic and being out and about and having that audio quality is like, oh yeah, this is like some really like brass tacks like back to our roots type of stuff. Yeah. Mm. And, and it's, a, it's a lot of fun to do. I, I really enjoy it for that. You know what I like about it? Uh, well, all those things. But also, I've been amazed that not a single person has approached us or asked what we're doing or tried to get on. Like, you know, yeah. sometimes you throw up, I don't want to jinx us. I'm knocking on my wooden mm-hmm. table here. But like you open, like I, the test we did, the second test Gus and I did, I think we yeah. had like a dude yelling at us from the street. Yeah. That never aired, obviously. But We have been... I will say exceptionally lucky that um, we've found all these coffee shops have space where I think we're going at the right times Mm. where Uh. everyone is sort of like doing their own thing and the like like the like the weirdos aren't quite out yet. And so we we've just found like the little sweet spot for us around Austin and I'm uh, eagerly stressed for that to change uh <laughs> i hate it i can't it's gonna happen and it's i'm gonna be miserable about it yeah. i get so stressed out every time we go to a coffee shop that i worry I'm like we're not gonna find a spot this time yeah like i don't know where we're gonna record i always like i look at the area i look at like a quarter mile around it i look at like okay so if we can't go here what if i street view over here maybe we can go over here we can drive to this i i'm always trying to find a spot it's so stressful i hate it <laughs> 
That's some excellent. We could help you find a spot from 20 years ago that would have been in the area. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, before before we're done here, I do want to comment. Someone somewhere got extraordinarily close no! to the name. Like, oh no! Oh man, it was almost there. It was like that is almost it. That is like man. Wow. For the name, for the name. I'm, I guess I should clarify for the uh, anime name. Uh, wow. It was like I was like I thought I was I thought I had to read it twice because I thought they actually typed the name. I was like, they oh, were no. that close. Yeah, they were really close. So were they like one letter off or something? Or do you really want me to say? Uh, well, I, I mean, I guess not. I guess not. Aaron. Yeah, right. I mean, like yes, but also no. No, I guess not. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah. No, they were close. They were real close. Wow. So you heard it here, right. somebody. You almost so got that, it. Uh, up until now, I thought it was impossible that anyone would guess it. But the fact that someone finally got that close, like, oh, someone is eventually going to get this. I realize that now. Wow. It's not the anime one, right? I'm not saying. I'm not saying. Oh, my this God. This motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to take your guesses and follow us on social, you can at Anima Podcast, A-N-M-A Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, you guys can see us at RTX. When does this come out? Uh, I don't know. Uh, right around RTX, something like that. This comes out like right before RTX, yeah. Yeah, we will be recording an episode of this show at RTX. Uh, who knows if it's going to be an actual episode or bonus? Yeah. One or the other. Uh, we'll find out uh, soon, I suppose. But uh, come to RTX. Find us there. And uh, any parting words for the people? Stay animal. Uh, safety first. That doesn't mean anything, by the way. <laughs> it means be safe. No, the anima. No, that's stay anima. It's, it it's, might it's, it might mean a lot of stuff. Who knows? <laughs>